While attending public school for the first time, a 16-year-old joins and takes over a popular clique. Special guests Sue Winter and Carlin Truck join us to chat about Taco Tuesday memes, DVDs that are popular with sick campers, and the difference between mathletes and academic league. You can't sit with us as we find out if 2004's Mean Girls stands the test of time. Time James and Alan have their say. Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the blood. Alan says as a father, blah blah. It's the test of time. James and Alan have their say. The movies you love still hold up today. Test of time. James and Alan have their say. Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Test of Time where we talk about older movies and see, you know, do they still stand up today? Do they stand the test of time? And joining me as always is our buddy and pal, the guy who puts this stuff all together and makes this perfect, medium, rare, perfectly well done podcast you're listening to right now, our director and co-host Alan Noah. Well, now I'm confused. Is it well done or is it medium rare? Well, I mean, it, it depends on your uh, your desire at that moment. If, if you're kind of picking, you know, chef's choice, how, does, uh, how, how is the seared tuna supposed to be done? A medium rare. Oh, okay. Well, it's not just us today. We have two very special guests. Coming back to the show is Sue Winter. Welcome back, Sue. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And we have a first-time guest joining us, Carlin Truck. Hello, Carlin. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. We have talked on social media. This is our, our first time chatting in real life or whatever this is. Zoom Zoom is real life now, I guess. I think I think that's fair to say. As we're talking about Mean Girls, it really kind of felt like if it was just James and I, sure, we could do it, but we really kind of needed some female perspective. So thank you. Thank you both for for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk back to you in real time, because (laughs) (laughs) I spend a lot of time in my car saying, yeah, that's totally right. Or no, you guys didn't think about this thing. So uh, (laughs) so this will be fun. (laughs) I do a lot of that with uh, with podcasts, too. And I would say you look weird in the car, but you don't because everyone's doing that, right? Either they're talking to a podcast or they're talking on the phone. It's fine. Totally fine. So, Carlin, uh, let me ask you first because you you wanted to come on to talk about Mean Girls. Had you seen this movie before? What's your relationship with it? Well, so I have a 23-year-old daughter and I saw the movie with her back, well, she was probably too young when it came out, but when she was like 10, 12 probably 12. The tween years. Yeah, yeah. I remember liking it. Okay, great. And Sue, you hadn't seen it before, right? Yeah, it's just crazy. But somehow I missed this one. And my daughter had seen it. When I told her I was doing this, and I was going to watch it, and I'd never seen it before, she couldn't believe that. Because <laughs> it's obviously, it's a classic. When I rented it, it said that the year it came out, I think was 2004. So I had a four-year-old, so I was probably doing a lot more Nemo and Little Mermaid and stuff (laughs) when it came out. And then, I don't know, I just never, never saw it. That's fair. I think, you know, there are those kinds of movies that you just sort of miss if it's a teen movie and you have little kids or it's a kid's movie and you have teens or whatever. 
I had seen this movie with my daughter before and I watched it again with her the other night and I was like, do you want to watch it again? Because, you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, if, if she's seen it before, she'll just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. But she was interested in, in watching it one more time. James, had you seen Mean Girls before? Yeah, I've seen this film a couple times. I did not see it in theaters. Um, I knew it was a big hit. Tina Fey was really, really, uh, she was really uh, on fire at that time. That was one of those resurgences of Saturday Night Live that she was pretty much responsible for. You know, after, what was it, 97 or something, when all the guys were fired, you know, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and Chris Rock, all, all the guys were fired in one season. They kind of puttered around, and, uh, you know, Tina Fey was so smart and a weekend update. I, I don't know, had 30 Rock uh, come out yet in 2004? I don't think so. I think that was a few years later, if I'm remembering right. All right. I remember when it was coming out. I was actually kind of expecting it to be good. Uh, I didn't get to see it for a little bit. I think it was a blockbuster rental. And then I saw it a couple times. Uh, I have a niece. I I saw it with her, I think, uh, at some point, or we talked about it. I'm a, a camp doctor, and uh, when the kids are sick with a fever, they have to sleep over in the health center, and one of the privileges that they have, they can watch movies, and you know which movies are super popular by how destroyed the DVDs are and like how upset they are when they can't use them anymore, and Mean mm-hmm. Girls is, uh, it, it's, they, they get a new one like every summer. Yeah, we used to rent a lot of DVDs for the kids at the library, and the kids' DVDs that you get from the library are awful. They are scratched to high hell. And all of the ones that my kids loved, especially Eli, he was really into Bob the Builder. He would be so mad if he knew I said that on the podcast. But all of the Bob the Builder DVDs would just skip because there were little kids who had them and their fingers are always sticky and covered in jelly. But James, why don't you give our listeners a a recap of Mean Girls just in case anyone hasn't seen it? Okay, uh, Mean Girls is a movie about uh, Katie Heron, also known as Caddy Heron, who had been homeschooled for most of her life because her parents had traveled around Africa. When the family settles down in Illinois, Katie enters public school for the first time. At first, Katie finds it hard and tough to meet new friends, but she soon meets Janice and Damien, who give Katie advice on who to stay away from. At the top of that list are the Plastics, a group of popular girls led by the charismatic but ruthless Regina George. When Regina takes a liking to Katie, Janice suggests that Katie joins the Plastics and take Regina down. But Katie discovers that she likes being popular and soon replaces Regina as a school's queen bee. In the end, Katie learns that she wants to be the kind of person she used to be and that there's plenty of popularity to go around. Aww. Yeah. And this was a big hit. I know that this was a big hit for Tina Fey, for Lindsay Lohan. It was just a, a box office success, right, James? Well, I mean, it did well. It had a $17 million budget and it opened at number one on April 30th, 2004. And the movie it beat, it's a Denzel Washington movie from 2004. He's kind of a good guy killer, but he is pretty ruthless. And he will put a bomb anywhere he has to. Anywhere in your body that he has to. Has anyone seen this movie? It's not ringing a bell. I mean, I'm imagining a lot of explosions, but I think a lot of Denzel Washington movies have explosions. So I guess I can't put my finger on it. 
I don't know. That one is uh, uh, Man on Fire. But uh, number three that weekend was another uh, movie that is incredibly popular with the uh, scratched-up DVDs over, over the summer. That's a Jennifer Garner film, uh, 13 Going on 30. Okay. But the movie was $17 million budget. It winds up making $86 million domestically, $130 million worldwide. This is a huge hit. All right, so... Because we have uh, some women joining us today and this movie is very female focused, let me ask you about if your experience with high school kind of mirrors what you saw in Mean Girls. I think that there was definitely a hierarchy. I don't think that the people who were popular were necessarily ruthless and mean. I think that they all thought that they were perfectly nice and they just had their own silo. There were mean people, though, and those were just the people who were mean. So they weren't necessarily popular. Okay. Sue, what about you? Uh, This looked just like my high school. (laughs) Oh, really? At least as far as I recall clicks they introduced the tables with you know those are the you know these kids and these kids and whatever that was oh absolutely we had that and we had rich kids and we had mean girls (laughs) i'm gonna take a leap here and say that you were not a mean girl i was not no i had really nice friends but you know that movie's 20 years old but that really did look a lot like my high school from 20 years before that. Okay. And because you both have daughters, was their experience kind of along these lines? For sure. In (laughs) fact, I think Melina would even say opposite of what I said, that the popular people were mean. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not so sure about in high school, but I know there was definitely a period during middle school where some of the girls, they, they definitely experimented with being mean. Interesting. That that's mm-hmm. that's such an interesting phrase that they experimented mm-hmm. with it. I look at it from a very male perspective and I, I don't want to make everything like overly gendered, but I feel like with boys and I, I see this with my own son, it's more like, what do I like? Do I like baseball or basketball? It's more about like the things that they're into and less about like, how to be you know like kind versus mean and my experience in high school sure there were bullies sure there were cliques but like I wasn't worried about people being mean to me or saying nasty things about me everyone called me a nerd I was a nerd I knew I was a nerd I didn't care I was worried about people beating the shit out of me like that was the fear it was a more physical kind of intimidation So watching Mean Girls is kind of foreign to me just in that it's not what I experienced. James, was it more kind of physical intimidation that that you dealt with? Um, Or you were cool, right? I'm sure. (laughs) Well, you knew me in college, right? (laughs) And, uh, you know, first of all, I have two sisters. And while I'm not going to speak for their experiences, I definitely found that middle school, maybe more than high school, middle school was definitely very different for 
girls than it was for boys and definitely a clicky uh, thing and I think I kind of got lucky in high school where my popular people uh, they weren't that bad I guess it's like more like Carlin's high school that there were some assholes but some of the dorks were assholes too it was this it was the same mix (laughs) (laughs) well so so let's get into the burn book right because that is I think the one thing about this movie that kind of doesn't really stand the test of time. I mean, it's a book, it's analog, right? It's, it's handwritten. And as a father, I'll say the catchphrase, my daughter is 10. The thing that scares me, the thing that keeps me up at night is like cyberbullying. you know, people saying horrific shit online. It can be anonymous And what do you do? That is really, really frightening. And I wonder if that will be in the the new version, which we didn't mention, but we're talking about Mean Girls because there's a new musical version. I don't know, because that's based on the Broadway show. I never saw the Broadway show. But I wonder if that will will play a, a role. But, you know, just this idea of writing things down in a book, it almost seems quaint in a really weird way it could be that my daughter is anachronistic but she does do all of the digital stuff and i definitely worried about cyberbullying but she also journals and keeps memorabilia and has things like that so i think that they could add to it but to me the burn book is not it still stands the test of time for young women young girls Yeah, I can see that too. And also when you were talking about the connection between that and social media, actually that scene where she makes all those copies and just throws them around the school, that is literally something going viral. (laughs) I'm going to just say Tina Fey is kind of genius because that's really kind of before all this viral social media. But that's exactly what happens when it all just explodes and everybody sees it and it's public. So it kind of is the same. You know, kind of to that point, I don't want to be like defending the burn book here. But if it was just a book that was on Regina George's shelf and it was just for her and her closest friends, in a way, if that's like a personal journal diary kind of thing, that's not really bullying. You know, that's kind of venting. And it's still angry and hateful. And, you know, you're just putting all of this hatred out into the world, which isn't necessarily healthy. But it's also not the worst thing in the world, right? If you're just kind of getting these mean thoughts down and sticking them on the shelf, well... Yeah, there's a lot worse that a mean girl could do. The thing that makes it mean, well, in addition to the sharing it, is the fact that they're doing it together. Because I am 100% sure that I would be disturbed if I read the mean, horrible things that my daughter wrote in her journal in high school. But I think that that is actually healthy because you get it out of yourself and onto paper. And, you know, I mean, I think that's a classic therapy technique, right? Just to get rid of it. What made it bad was that the four of them or then the five of them were were working on this book together. I agree 100%. If you find your daughter wrote, uh, this girl's so stupid and I hate her and she's ugly and, uh, you know, she's just the worst. Fine, whatever. That's your daughter's diary. But if you find, like, 
a little, you know, recording that, like, five of your friends make, and they make a song about this girl, about how ugly and fat, and the same thing. They're definitely, when they're making it, giggling. I think it's almost a, a very big lesson you tell your kids today. Just kind of don't assume anything is private. Because even if it is your diary, mm-hmm. all it takes is someone going into your room, you throw a house party, somewhere, and they just take a picture of your diary. They're not going to steal your diary. They flash it and it's going to say, you love this, or you kissed this boy, or you did something more with the boy, or with the girl, or with this. And you're going to write in your diary and it's it's public and it's forever. That is very true. My son has told me to not have pictures of him in our house because his friends will come over and if there's like a cute little baby picture we have on a wall one of his friends will go over and take a picture of it and they're just using it to give each other shit it's it's not bullying it's more just you know boys being boys i think and i hope but also you know he goes over to their house and everyone has baby pictures around like come on like i'm not gonna not have baby pictures of my kids in my house but you're absolutely right, James, that that is a thing. And, and I do tell them that, that nothing is ever private. And as you were sort of making those examples, James, about, you know, I kissed a boy, there is a lot of talk in this movie about sluts and skanks, and they really throw those words around a lot. And I thought maybe they would address that more. Like Tina Fey's character kind of says it at one point, like when they have that big assembly of don't call each other sluts and and skanks because then you're just allowing boys to call you sluts and skanks. I appreciated that point. I think that maybe more so today than in 2004, there's more of like this awareness of slut shaming as a bad thing because in the movie, people aren't, overly promiscuous that Amanda uh, Seafried character is the more promiscuous one, I guess, but she's not like having lots of sex or anything like that. That was actually kind of a thread that ran through the the whole movie was that whole like sexuality part of it. I think that's just part of being in high school, right? Just being that age. I mean, there's the side story about you know her friend who's gay and then you know is this other girl a lesbian or not and then who's sleeping with who and you know who broke up with their boyfriend and like I think a lot of that is pretty true to being that age I mean that's just probably the main thing a 16 year old's thinking about so they're saying it out loud well, and they're all thinking that everybody else is doing it too. So it's like, right? Yeah. I think that that was part of the reason, or it could be part of the reason that it's not shown on screen is it's, it's all rumors. Everybody's a slut, but maybe none of it's happening. Maybe all of it's happening, but we don't know. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because in the gossip mill or whatever, yeah, everyone's having sex with everyone in reality, yeah, maybe it's like a, a handful of of kids who are. There's no like confirmation in the movie that anyone is having sex, right? I don't think. Except the gym teacher. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Which it's not funny, but like it's kind of played off for a joke that the the gym teacher is having these relationships with two students. And I 
don't know a ton about the the new version, but I did see that John Hamm plays Coach Carr, and you know he's oh, no. like second build, third build, and you know he's uh, friends with Tina Fey, and he's very very funny. I'm assuming that they're making that character a bigger deal now. I don't really know why. I don't think anyone watched this movie in 2004. It's like, I want to see more of that coach. What's his story? Yeah, I actually made a note of that in kind of my test of time, you know, things. I was like, I don't know if that's a safe thing to joke about these days, that an adult coach would be fooling around with a teenage student. Like, I don't know if people would find that funny or just creepy. (laughs) Right. I don't know if people were talking about it in 2004 as much, but it does seem like if you were creating Mean Girls today, you probably wouldn't start with that joke. So the message of this movie, if you're going to get into it, is the power struggle that these girls have trying to, like be themselves in the world that they find themselves in. And so if you have this other storyline where a man is making out with one of the girls, it can subvert that message, you know? So, but on the other hand, it might reinforce it. So it's kind of stood out to me, but also I'm a mom. I have a different perspective on this stuff than, you know, a lot of people watching the movie probably would, you know, because I... I can't help but see my daughter and her friends in the movie, you know, and I also see myself and my friends in the movie too, you know. It's not really about Coach Carr. It's the setup so that the two girls can be like against each other because they they were both going after the same thing. So it is an icky premise, but the joke was really, again, coming back to that girl on girl meanness and that they started fighting with each other. Right. It's another version of the Aaron Samuels thing where you can't like someone who your friend likes. Um, it's just a perverse version of of that. And, you know, the, the Aaron obsession thing, I like that it is not the main focus of the movie. It kind of drives the plot, but it's not a movie just about will Katie and Aaron hook up? That's not the movie that Tina Fey was writing. I think that would be less interesting to me personally. And every October 3rd, there's the, you know, the the memes that go around of on October 3rd, he asked me what day it is. It's on October 3rd. <laughs> Why has that line become a thing that happens every year on social media? I don't know. That's just the world we live in. That segues into one of the things that I thought was really interesting how many memes have come from this one movie alone? Like so (laughs) many things on social media, like on Wednesdays, we wear pink. I see it everywhere. It's like Taco Tuesday. It just comes up every single week. Someone's going to write that. Oh, uh, one of my favorite memes is stop trying to make blank happen. It's not going to happen. And then they just fill in, you know, what that is. Uh, I recently stopped stopped trying to make threads happen. It's not going to happen. But (laughs) on a different topic, you know who I love in this film? And it turns out this guy was like the replacement of the replacement of like like several down the line. Tim Meadows. He is so funny. His line at the very end when Katie, uh, she's the prom queen. She's like, everyone, I just want us to all... And he taps her to be like, 
you're not really supposed to make a speech at this thing. It's such a takedown of every single high school movie and also just a Tim Meadows classic delivery. Um, it was apparently supposed to be Steve Martin uh, first, but he was filming uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. But Tim Meadows knocked it out of the park. Apparently, he uh, really broke his arm before filming. So <laughs> they just quickly, the first day, how was your summer? I got divorced. How about you? I got carpal tunnel syndrome. That's why he has this huge cast on. Oh it's my like God, stupid so and funny. <laughs> Tim Meadows definitely has... I think one of the funniest lines in the whole movie when he says, I will keep you here all night if I have to. And then the other teacher's like, um, no, you can't keep them past four. I will keep you till four if I have to. That gets me every time. Um, Anna Gasteyer, I think, is completely wasted in this movie. I say that as a huge Anna Gasteyer fan, I think she is one of the most underrated SNL cast members ever. Her Celine Dion impression and her topless Martha Stewart always got me they were so funny like she was in so many funny bits she does not have a joke in this movie at all that kind of bums me out um, I don't think that Katie's mom and dad need to be funny, though, to be fair. Uh, Neil sure. Flynn plays the dad. Yeah, they came from Africa, but I'm glad they actually didn't make them weird, like, homeschool parents. They kind of made it a point that she's homeschooled, but don't worry, she's, you know, she's she's going to fit in after adjusting a little bit. And Tim Meadows is in the new version as well. He and Tina Fey are doing the same roles again. She's the math teacher. He's the principal. I guess, because why not? Yeah. Well, um, in the Mean Girls-averse, there is also a notorious direct-to-DVD sequel. I didn't see it, but uh, apparently uh, Tim Meadows is still the uh, principal. So he is, I guess, in all three. He's the constant. Yes, yes, he (laughs) he is the constant. Well, while we're talking about the cast, we should talk about Lindsay Lohan, who is really really good in this movie. She is just an amazing actor and she doesn't really do much anymore. There was that Christmas movie from, I think it was 2022. I didn't see, I heard it was really, really bad. And my sister-in-law said that it was so bad, it was funny. And I was like, oh, okay, we should watch it and, you know, have some wine and make fun of it. And we never did that. But, uh, (laughs) My wife, Courtney, said that she did put it on one day and it was just bad, bad, not like so bad it's good, just awful. And she turned it off after uh, a few minutes. But she really doesn't do much anymore. And after watching Mean Girls, I was like, why? She, she's she got talent. Well, I didn't look it up, but wasn't Mean Girls kind of the peak of her? Like she did Freaky Friday. She She did a couple of other things that were really fun. And then I thought that she kind of went into drugs and got out of the business for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, this wasn't not only the peak. This was the thing that propelled her to the stratosphere. This was uh, Lindsay Lohan, not just the Freaky Friday girl and the girl from uh, the Herbie. uh, No, Herbie was later. Sorry. What was her kid movie? Um, Parent Trap. Parent Trap. That's it. Yes, it's a parent trap. Like, yeah, she was great in those things, but you never know with these child actors. And, you know, she turned out to actually be very good. She's a very good actor. Uh, Yeah, she did all these drugs, and I guess it, it was maybe not so great on sets, or who knows, but... 
I still think that the story isn't over for her. I just think she's so talented and, you know, so likable in this film. And I've seen Freaky Friday. I don't think I've ever seen Parent Trap, but uh, I, I still think she could come back, but she's not getting any blockbusters anytime soon. So I worked at VH1 when this movie came out in 2004. And at that time, VH1 was not really focused on music. It was more about pop culture and celebrity and kind of like in that E sort of vein. And there was this appetite for, you know, hey, look at her, look at what she's doing because she was a young starlet. And because, like you said, James, she she went from child actor to actor. Also, she was hanging out with Britney Spears and Paris Hilton. And, you know, the the tabloids were following all of them. Also, it didn't help that she released an album. I think that kind of made her more in that sort of pop culture vein. Everyone wanted to know everything about her. The second she turned 18, she was dating Wilmer Valderrama. And, you know, that led to more attention. And it does kind of even play into the themes of Mean Girls, right? That, like, she was this sweet ingenue who all of a sudden became the popular person and everyone was looking at her. And then when she was fighting with Paris Hilton, that was big news because they're friends. Are they friends? Are they enemies? Are they frenemies? Her her real life kind of mirrored what was happening in this movie. And it's funny and entertaining when it's Katie, the fictional character, and less funny and entertaining when it's a real-life human being. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of the reason they cast her in this movie, because of that kind of symmetry. I wonder, and I, I don't know if it was life imitating art or art imitating life or both or whatever. Um, Rachel McAdams has, has been fine. You know, she she didn't go through any of that uh, that tabloid paparazzi nonsense. She's had a, a great career Academy Award winner Amanda Seyfried, right? Or did she was she just nominated? I'm not sure. Okay, I thought she was nominated. Maybe she was so good in the um, the show on Hulu about uh, the Theranos uh, woman. What was the name of that show? Oh, yeah, I don't remember. She was really good. I love that. That was really entertaining. Um, I have a question for you, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about the voiceover narrator on this movie? Uh, <laughs> right, right. I didn't love it. Uh, I did think that it kind of helps in the beginning with the exposition of the homeschooling and, you know, setting the stage. There were parts of it later on where I was kind of like, yeah, we get it. We don't really need it. It's sort of used for gag sometimes where Tina Fey's character is like, is there anything you would like to say to confess, Katie? And the voiceover says, yes, I feel terrible. But then she says, nope, nothing. Do do you need that? I would say no. It's not my favorite. It's not awful. It's not really telling you things that you really don't need, you know, in the way that really annoys me. I I don't know uh, how to grade it. Maybe just it's fine, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a pass because I like Tina Fey as a screenwriter. So I feel like I, I can't wag my little finger at her from my little podcaster basement. So it gets a pass. 
Yeah, but related to that was the whole jungle safari aspect of that voiceover. Yeah. You know, I, I could see why they brought it in because she lived in Africa for a while and it was like the comparison to how she grew up. But it did right. feel a little out of place to me. I didn't hate it, but it also kind of stuck out when the couple of times it happened. I don't know if they needed to do it more or just cut it out entirely. What what, what stuck out at you, the voiceover or the like the metaphor of the animal kingdom? Well, the the metaphor of the animal kingdom came out as part of her voiceover. So it wasn't every time she did a voiceover, but when it came out, she was definitely doing the voiceover. Got it. Okay, I kind of forgot about that aspect of the movie. And when the the burn book goes public and everyone is fighting, I was like, oh, it's sort of like what she would have experienced in Africa in the wild. And then she says it in voiceover. And I was like, oh, okay. well, now you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. You know, I think most people would have gotten it without that. It does kind of give it that kind of nature documentary sort of vibe. That had to have been intentional. I think it's okay from my perspective because I think the whole movie is told from Katie's perspective. Um, That's why the parents are kind of totally not important in this film because she loves her parents. Fine, but uh, they're they're not important here. And those animal sounds, while a little cartoonish and silly, and it's definitely a director or editorial choice that they put that in because they didn't need it. But um, they made the decision to make some reference to her being from Africa because, look, she has to be from somewhere that's not America. Uh, High school in Missouri is going to be like this, too. But it can't be like, oh, I'm from England because then you have a whole you have to talk about her being from England. So they just kind of made her American, but she's in Africa. And then they never once reference Africa without being kind of being pedantic about it. That that's how she's able to solve the puzzle at the end of the mathletes because she remembers this African proverb. I think that would be a little silly. So they give it this little uh, the girls of an American high school or just like the uh, Savannah of Africa. Well, and I guess related to that, as far as sound goes, because you mentioned the jungle sounds and stuff, I thought the soundtrack just was so spot on mm. the, the songs yeah. that they point. chose for the different um, aspects. It was really entertaining totally totally agree and i like that uh there's kind of two blondie songs on there there's one way or another and then there's a the cover of ripper to shreds which i i really like and also a track from samantha ronson who later she and Lindsay lohan dated in real life Hmm. just kind of a coincidence i guess uh but yes i agree that it is a, a great soundtrack I agree. And what you're saying about how it's told from Katie's perspective, that makes sense to me because, see, I've only seen this maybe one time now, and I've been thinking about it for four days since I watched it. Nice. (laughs) But um, one of the things that I kind of realized later after watching it and thinking about it was that scene where where the burn book, all the pages go out, and then the school just goes crazy like it was actually not until later in the movie that i realized only the girls were fighting yeah uh-huh. it was when yeah. they rounded them up into the gym and you know when tina Fey's like all the junior girls go in the gym and i was like that's weird and then i realized that's because at least in the way this story is told 
no one else is affected by this. It's only this group of girls that are in this same class. And I was like, that is pretty brilliant because I think the point was whether you are the most like quiet as a mouse, socially inept person who doesn't even talk to anyone, or you are the most popular girl in that class, every single girl in a high school class is affecting every other one, you know, and then it just exploded. But the thing that just was kind of blowing my mind was that I didn't even catch that until, you know, they rounded them all up. Yeah, because you hear high school fight and your brain just kind of defaults to boys punching each other. (laughs) And that is not what this scene is at all. You see this pandemonium, like all the doors to the classrooms all open and it just goes nuts. And it just seems like the whole school is involved in this melee, you know, and it's like, no, no, everybody else is off doing something else. This is, they don't, they're not even part of it. <laughs> right, right. And it's funny that you say that, Sue, that like you, you kind of didn't even realize it and you only saw this movie once. Having just watched it again, there were definitely things that I picked up on repeat viewing. There's uh, some foreshadowing about getting hit by a bus. Uh, She says, I think it's a line in VO, like when she first meets Aaron and he's so dreamy. It's like, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus because he was so cute or or something like that. I'm sure it's a better line. But I was like, ah, ah, that's foreshadowing. I didn't catch that the first time. I I bet if you watch it again, there will just be more things Mm -hmm. that will kind of leap out at you. Um, Was anyone else a mathlete? Am I the only one here who was a mathlete? Yeah, I I was in the, we had an academic league. That's what it was called. And it was the quiz bowl and you you hit the thing and you had to answer. Sometimes it was math. Sometimes uh, if it was an astronomy question, don't fucking answer. I'm I'm answering that question. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to count that though. I don't know if that counts as just being on the math team. No, we we also had math league. We also had math league, but uh, like it wasn't called mathletes. And like we didn't do anything anything like this it was like something really stupid we would kind of like take a test it was really stupid sue carlin were you you mathletes i don't remember that it existed because i was a really good math student it could have been something i would have done i don't think they had that in the 80s we just had regular you know old school sports (laughs) (laughs) okay uh fair I was definitely a mathlete. My buddy Steve, who I know listens to the show, was was on the team. I'm pretty sure we had a couple of girls on the team as well. And, you know, that that's a thing in the movie that they're all just so desperate to have a girl be on mathletes. You know, it, it also makes me think of uh, Freaks and Geeks, which well, was on the air a few years before this movie came out. And they said the word mathlete a lot in that show. I just find it endearing because I I have fond memories of my mathlete days. I actually think I quit very shortly after. Uh, I think I went very to like one or two things of math league because it was literally you had to just take a test, a math test. <laughs> it wasn't even a competition like this thing. Like academically, we would go to other high schools and we would have, we'd have to hit the buzzers and it was times and there was rounds and more scores than final ones. And sometimes it was math and that was fine. But, oh God, Al, you just like taking extra tests after school of math? 
Well, yeah, but it was a contest. It was like you, you took the test and then your team was graded. And then, you know, it was a contest to see which team had the, the best score. Did you get a cool jacket? No, there was no jacket. That would have been way cooler. <laughs> I was a math major in college. So I was one of maybe one or two girls in the math classes. So I had that experience. It just wasn't a math leap thing. Yeah, and I think what Tina Fey was going for in the screenplays, I think she's taking a dig at these boys basically being sexist and they're going after the stereotype of girls uh, being bad at math because the uh, rules were you get to pick the other team's uh, candidate. So they don't even care. They're like, we pick the girl too. And it's definitely Tina Fey because Tina Fey was, she's very intelligent. I'm sure she was in places where they thought she must be dumb at math. That's my guess. I have no, uh, nothing to back that up. Yeah, and I have to say, I I think Tina Fey is probably almost exactly the same age as Carlin and I. And she wrote this story. So that goes to show you that she didn't hear this from, you know, somebody who was 16 when she was 35. You know, she, she experienced these things herself. Right, right. And the the movie is based on a book called Queen Bees and Wannabes, which isn't a story it's like a parental guide of how to deal with your teenage daughter and then she was like oh that could be a good movie they optioned it and it has you know the the credit uh based on this book but it's a different kind of adaptation usually it's a novel that is adapted to a screenplay not like a parental how-to guide right i wonder how many people bought that book thinking oh the original novelization of mean girls Uh, and uh, what what the hell is this i didn't buy it but i do think that i tried to read it because as a parent the whole idea of high school scared me Um, in our area there are two high schools that my daughter could have gone to and the one she did end up going to that's closer to our home was known to be like the mean girl school And people didn't call it that, but it was definitely known to be a really hard school for girls to go to. So I wanted to try to prepare to help her through that. But I don't think there's any way that you can. Mm -mm. Okay. I was just going to say, was was the book helpful? No, (laughs) I I don't even remember it. I just know I got it from the library. (laughs) Oh, no. Was Mean Girls more helpful in in dealing with this stuff? Um, It was more entertaining for sure <laughs> <laughs> okay all I right mean, because they both just basically describe the situation and there really isn't a solution except for to be there and be supportive for your child okay i was hoping there was going to be a quick fix nope damn it you're in for a ride <laughs> i i am i have it's her it's her last year in elementary school next year she goes oh, to middle boy. school i'm already terrified <laughs> Um, but but we won't talk about that. We'll save that for another day. Let me ask you if you think that Mean Girls stands the test of time. Carlin, you're a first-time guest. Why don't you go first? Okay. I think it does stand the test of time. I invited my daughter to watch it with me because she was home, and she was enthusiastic about watching it. We sat down and laughed and had a great time. A couple of things like what Sue mentioned about the coach were a little troublesome. So, you know, not perfect. But I even commented to my daughter while we were watching it, I thought the clothes were still cute. Like everything stood stood up for me. All right. Great. 
Uh, Sue, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't even think you really have to change hardly anything. I almost texted my 16-year-old niece just to ask her, you know, because I'm sure she's seen it too. I just think, unfortunately, it does stand the test of time. I mean, I would have hoped that a 16-year-old today wouldn't still have to deal with what girls have in their life growing up through their teenage years. But um, that's just how it is, at least at least in American society. So yes, it does. And it, and it handles it all with real humor. And um, I thought Lindsay Lohan was so convincing. And like, just her going from that ingenue into that horrible person she turned into and you know from the very first moment she came on screen with her parents and they were like it's your first day of school I just had this cringy feeling of like oh no I know what's gonna happen right but on the other hand the way this story was told and the twist at the end with the burn book and all that stuff I didn't see that coming that's the other reason I think it stands up is because it's a it's a tale as old as time, but it is told in a, a very fresh way. And um, so, yes, absolutely. Okay. James, what about you? What do you think? I, I think this movie completely stands the test of time. Uh, I, I've never been a teenage girl, but uh, one thing that I completely relate with Katie on, I've discussed this on this podcast before, was the first day of school. I was brand new in ninth grade. I didn't know anyone. I didn't go to the junior high school that everyone else went to. And I was walking around. I just circled for like mm. 10, 15 minutes. And I remember thinking, maybe I'll go to the bathroom and just like oh. sit and eat. And when I saw that years later, it totally brought back memories of that uh, moment. I did wind up after like 10, 15 minutes seeing someone I knew from years earlier. And I'm like, oh my God. And I, I sat with him. Thank goodness. But um, the movie is just, it's funny and it's so clever. Unlike a movie like Clueless that had a lot of gags about, oh, she's using her computer to pick her clothes out and they look horribly outdated. The gag doesn't even hit anymore. The film doesn't do anything with really with cell phones much. Uh, There's some really clever lines in this film that I like. There's this line that Gretchen says when Katie says she's interested in Aaron and she goes, dating a friend's ex is for Bidden. That's like the rules of feminism. I know what she's trying to say. She's trying to say it's it's girl code, but she thinks feminism means girl. You know, she thinks it's an umbrella. It, it, it's a great line there. Just some of Regina George's takedowns. That whole thing. Oh wow, you're pretty. Thank you. So you agree that you're pretty. Uh, it's just she doesn't even say anything bad. She's just telling her what you said. The three-way calling ambush that she does, she puts herself in the burn book. I I just think Virginia George is is so smart. Janice, uh, played by uh, Lizzie Kaplan, everyone calls her a lesbian the entire film. And at the very end, you find out she's Lebanese. And everyone is just mishearing it. And, oh, she's Lebanese. Oh, she's a lesbian. I didn't uh, catch that on earlier viewings. 
Lindsay Lohan, I do think, again, she has the talent and I think she could make a comeback. So the jury's out on whether she stands the test of time, but she could. The one thing in this film that doesn't stand the test of time is Coach Carr. Overall, this movie is so funny. Uh, I don't, I've never seen the musical on Broadway, so I don't know what the musical's like. Apparently, it was very well liked, so this could be a really popular musical. But only talking about the 2004 film, it definitely stands the test of time. Uh, finally, Al, three for three. Is it a four, Pete? Is it a perfect four for four? Yes, it is. I completely agree. It stands the test of time. <laughs> uh, I do think you're wrong, though, James, about Coach Carr being the only thing in the movie that doesn't stand the test of time. At the Christmas show, when they're doing their song and dance and everything goes awry, that happens because of the CD player. That is what ruins their performance. And then, you know, Katie saves it. My daughter is performing in the school's variety show and I have to give them the song digitally. No one uses a CD player. So that doesn't stand the test of time. I had in my notes that uh, they make a reference to Sears. Um, no, I, th- I think that the, the themes of the movie are still totally relevant. I like the the lesson. I really like how Lindsay Lohan plays the character. I like her arc from ingenue to horrible person back to an ingenue at the end, you know, when she's taking apart the, the tiara and giving it to everybody. It's like, oh, right. I did like her. She's back again. I did think that scene was a little on the nose again with you know her breaking up the plastic tiara it's just plastic and that's the name of the click is the plastics but whatever it's it's a really sweet ending and it's a it's a sweet story it's really funny it's really entertaining of course it stands the test of time i'm not sure how this new version is going to do James, I know you don't watch uh, movie trailers as a general rule, but did you guys see the trailer for the the new movie? Mm-mm. It's a musical and there's no music in it. Like I-, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, I must have made a mistake. I thought this was a musical version of Mean Girls, but I guess not. And no, no, it is. But they didn't show a single song. It's just like, this isn't your mom's Mean Girls and... That also kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's only 20 years later, but like, it's just them doing the bits and the lines that you know from the original and no song. So I guess they didn't have a ton of confidence in it. No, my daughter told me that apparently there's a thing right now that people loathe musicals. It's not just Mean Girls. There's another musical that's come out recently, and I don't remember what it was, but she told me that they also did their trailer without any music. So people are going to these movies, and then they get in there, and they find out it's a musical, and they're getting PO'd. Whoa. (laughs) So, yeah. That's really funny. I guess that works for the studio and not the poor people who work at the movie theater who have to like decide if they're giving refunds or not. I did see that the movie was originally going to be a direct to Paramount plus streaming thing. Mm -hmm. And then they decided to put it in theater. So I guess there was some confidence that it could make money, but it is a little bit weird that they're hiding the fact that it's a musical when that was the whole reason to, make the movie in the first place right it's like the the producers thing it's the 
movie version of the musical version of the movie version. Well, um, I haven't kept up on it, but I thought that I saw that their subsequent trailers were starting to include the music because the backlash from this other movie, they didn't want to end up in the same position. Gotcha. Okay. But um, I also think that they should have more faith in their Mean Girls fandom. Exactly. And uh, the musical was nominated for a a ton of Tonys. Uh, I saw that it didn't win any. Um, The composer is Jeff Richmond, who does a lot of the musical work on Tina Fey's projects because he's her husband. Uh, He he did the music for 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt and uh, a a lot of things. It was the Willy Wonka movie that was the one with the backlash. People didn't know it was a musical and they got angry. All Wonka films are musicals, though, right? Yeah. (laughs) The new one is more of a musical than the original. Oh, it's not just like it has five musical numbers. It's more like actually like a Broadway musical. Yeah. There's a lot more singing. And you know what? That is totally fair because I went and saw that movie with my daughter and I was like, oh, wait, this is a musical? I had no idea. So um, I didn't complain and ask for my money back, but... uh, are, are you guys planning to go and see the new Mean Girls? I think I will. I'll probably wait till it comes on streaming. But that's how I watch movies anyway. <laughs> fair. Fair point. James, I'm guessing you're you're not rushing to the theater for it? I will go with you, Al, if we sit uh, seventh row center and just scream and just sing along the entire time. That would be weird. That would be very, very weird for two dudes in their mid 40s to do that i i think authorities would be called i just don't know any of the songs too so i i don't know how i'll really scream any of the things but uh i figure i'll listen to it on the way to the theater and maybe i'll remember some of the words okay you get the tickets i'll meet you there all okay. right and, and if i get there late just just start okay. with the plan start screaming just know i'm coming really soon okay uh, well Carl and Sue, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. This was really fun. And I'm I'm really glad that you joined us. Thank you. This was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. And so fun for the four of us to get to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Carlin, did you say this was your first podcast ever? Uh-huh. Way wow. to go. Congratulations. Thanks. Did great. Thanks. I see more in your future. Either coming back on the test of time or... Whatever. I, I, I think you, you've got a knack. I, I would love to. Would you say that Carlin's podcast future will stand the test of time, Al? I think so. Sue, do you want to give a, a plug to Go Informed? <laughs> sure. I mean, geez, I have to give a slow clap to that comment James just made. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, thanks again for having me on. I'm at three times now, so two more times before I get that hoodie. That's right, that's right, you're getting close. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am not very active with podcasting these days, but you can listen to the archives of my show, which is called Go Informed, colon, Build a Better Vacation, <laughs> and uh it is theme park tips for your trip to Disney and Universal Parks. And you can also check out my website at goinform.net, which is theme parks and other travel tips and stuff like that. 
Yes. And uh, one, please do more podcasts. I miss it. Uh, two, great use of saying the word colon. Love that. That, <laughs> that, was, that was spot on. And your newsletter is super helpful and uh, everyone should read it, especially if you're going to Disney or Universal. It's just chock full of important, helpful tips. So definitely subscribe. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for us this week. Come back next week when we talk about Cool World, the half-animated, half-live-action movie. I saw that once. James, have you ever seen that movie? I have never seen this film. I was never planning on seeing it, but, you know, let's podcast it up and see this film. It's Brad Pitt, right? Yes, Brad Pitt is in that movie. That will be a fun one. Until then, we want to hear from you guys. We are at Tested Time Pod on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads. Let us know what your high school experience was like. Did you get bullied by mean girls? Were you a mean girl? It's a safe space. You can tell us. You can confess your sins. It's all right. Uh, and uh, we will see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.